and welcome back to Reflect Forward. I'm your host, Carrie Sickens, and I am so glad you are here today. For those of you watching on YouTube, I apologize for a new background. Uh, it's a little bit gray, as you can see, but uh, we are remodeling our house and, uh, and my new office isn't done yet. And I had to move out of my old one so it could get re restructured into something different. So I am literally set up on my kitchen table recording podcasts. So I appreciate your patience as we have these new backgrounds. Today, we are going to talk about patience and the secret strength of patience. As a leader, it's so important to be patient. And I know what you're thinking. That's not me. That's not me. I can't be patient. I need to drive results. I need to get things done. But I would like to remind you that when we are impatient, we tend to make bad decisions. We put maybe unnecessary pressure on people. We make mistakes. Our impatience drives people to make their own mistakes. Overall, being more patient will make your life so much better and those you lead will appreciate your leadership style so much more. So I'd like to start off the episode by giving you a quote by Joyce Meyer. She's an American writer and I love this quote because <laughs> I can so relate. And she says, patience is not the ability to wait, but the ability to keep a good attitude while waiting. And this is so true because just last week, I did not have a good attitude about waiting. I was waiting for somebody and uh, they were late and it was going to cause me to be late down the road later on in the day. And I was really annoyed and I was frustrated. I was drumming my fingers like, oh, come on, you know, and looking at my phone and just being like, oh, this is so rude. But then I was hit with a flash of empathy. First of all, I'm late. I'm late all the time. I try to cram so many things into a day that I work up to the last possible minute, which usually makes me late to everything. So I should be compassionate for those people who are also late. Second, I have no idea what is going on in that person's life and what caused them to be late. And so me getting all worked up, what good was that going to do? It didn't change the situation. All it did was make me annoyed and agitated and not feel very good. And I don't like to do that. I like to keep a good, positive mindset. And I realized I'm in control of my mindset. So it got me thinking a lot about patience and how when you develop it, it really can be a strength. Now, I know a lot about being impatient and the mistakes that can happen when you are impatient. And I'm sure that those of you listeners who, who self-identify as impatient can understand this. I've been impatient and I have driven to make decisions that weren't good decisions because I didn't have all of the information. I pushed people to cut corners because I wanted things done faster. I didn't want them to cut corners, but they felt that's what they had to do to be able to meet a deadline or a timeline that I had set. And I've generally caused people to feel angst when I'm like, we're not moving fast enough. Come on, let's figure this out. Let's figure this out. Let's figure this out. And I realized early in my career that was really tough and I've been working on it ever since. And it's not to say that I'm now like the most patient person in the world, but um, I've really spent a lot of time thinking about how do I stay cool, calm and collected, as you've heard me talk about before. How do I keep realistic timelines at the forefront? How do I make sure that I don't overload myself and my team so that we can actually succeed at getting a few things done well rather than having so many things on our plate that we can't. And that requires patience. It requires being able to look and say, you know what, this is a marathon, not a sprint. And 
we just keep making consistent, steady progress. That is what winning looks like, not getting done the fastest. So then you just do more work afterwards. There's always more work to do. And when you're patient and you allow people to have space to think and breathe and rest and feel proud of the work they're doing, you are creating such a much better work environment. So that's what I want to talk about today because I've realized that patience isn't about inactivity or resignation, just giving up or not driving to results or not holding people accountable. That's not true. Patience is about having calculated restraint. It's about being thoughtful in your reflection of what's going on. And it's giving room to be able to breathe. It's about letting the seeds that you plant with your strategy have the time to grow and sprout before you change again. So now let's talk a little bit about why patience matters in leadership. And I want to set the groundwork for this because hopefully this will make a light bulb go off going like, oh, yeah, I want these things. and Maybe patience will get me there. So first, it builds trust. Patience shows your team that you value their input and that you aren't rushing their judgment. When you are patient and say, okay, that's fine. If you need a little bit more time to think about that, absolutely. Circle back with me. You need an extra day to be able to get that done? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no problem. You know, you need to be able to go home and think about it tonight and come back to me tomorrow? Absolutely. That builds trust with people when they know that you care more about their thoughts and feelings and actions and reactions than you do about driving the results, driving the decisions, or whatever the topic is that you're talking about. The second thing is it does is it creates better decisions. Hurried decisions often overlook vital things. I've told many, many stories about making hurried decisions and the mistakes that ensued afterwards. And then it causes people to have to go to like heroics to get things done or do things with a brute force effort and causes all kinds of frustration. The consequences are definitely not pretty when you make hurried decisions. So when you wait a little bit, give time for an idea to mature, really think through the pros and the cons of the decisions. You get a fuller picture of, you know, what that decision could look like and you make a better decision. All leaders, we all want to make better decisions. So being more patient will definitely help create opportunities for better decisions. Stress reduction is next. This is so important, right? When we are constantly running around pushing people, impatient people, agitated and frustrated because we're feeling impatient, it can cause people stress and it can cause yourself stress. I used to feel like every delay was a setback and it would be upsetting. And then I would drive and push. And that was such a wrong way to look at it. Instead, I should have been looking further upstream, like, okay, why is there a delay? What is going on here? Did we make the right decisions? Did we have adequate resources? Did we do proper planning? But if you just focus on, oh, there's a delay and I'm really upset about it, then it causes people stress and it doesn't force you to go back and look at your decision-making process to say, why do we have this delay and how do we fix it upstream rather than focusing on the downstream situation, which is right now we're delayed and it causes a lot of stress. So when you are more patient, when you are understanding when there is a delay and you're willing to look for the root cause reasons, when you're willing to give people that room to breathe, it reduces your stress and it reduces that person's stress. And then finally, Patience creates a better culture. When you have a culture where people feel like it's safe to make mistakes, safe to fail, safe to try new things, safe to be thoughtful, you create a, a culture that is much more inclusive where people feel like they belong. And I know that patience isn't talked a lot about in culture, but 
in reality, it does make a better culture. And it does not mean that you don't drive to results. You do. We are a high-performing company at Stone Age, and we want to continue to disrupt our industry. But when we have patience for when things go wrong, when there's a mistake that's made, when things don't move as fast as we want, then we create a little bit of that space to be able to say, it's okay. You know, we're trying something new. We're trying something disruptive, and it might not go the way that we planned it to go, but that's okay. It doesn't mean that things aren't moving forward. And so it does create a much better culture when leaders can exhibit patience rather than the constant pressure to drive, 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 drive. Okay, so how do you cultivate patience when you are a very impatient person? (laughs) So here are the things that I do. First, I practice mindfulness. There is nothing like taking a few deep breaths to help you ground yourself. In fact, I meditate every single day, and I have found that by having a regular meditation practice, I am way more patient in life because I can be still. I can sit with myself. I can let things just be instead of trying to constantly orchestrate an outcome. So if you're feeling yourself get impatient before you say something, before it comes out of your mouth, before you give that dirty look on your face that clearly shows that you are annoyed and impatient. Take a few deep breaths. Ground yourself. Feel your feet on the floor. Acknowledge your feelings, right? Saying, I'm feeling impatient. It does, and don't beat yourself up or don't beat other people up, right? Examine it without judgment. Like, why am I feeling so impatient? Where is this coming from? What happens if things slow down? What happens if we are delayed? What happens if I'm a little bit late? And I can honestly say that most of the time, it's not that big of a deal. Now, there are some things that, yes, deadlines do matter. And I'm not talking about a lack of accountability here. But we can create time and space for people to breathe. And we can't do that if we are not doing it for ourselves first. So practice mindfulness. Another great way to practice mindfulness is to go out for a walk. Right? Taking a walk and moving your body, it's one of the best things you can possibly do to practice mindfulness. The second thing is set clear expectations. When I, studied, when I started studying actually much more realistic timelines and communicated them effectively and then asked people, do you think that this is achievable and had them be part of the process, I found that I was much more patient because it was a shared, it was a shared decision-making process on what we think we could actually achieve. When I just would set deadlines that didn't have realistic expectations of being met, I just frustrated everybody. Setting clear expectations is not just about you deciding this is when it needs to be done. It's about collectively talking about what those expectations are and how you can meet them. We do this a lot in product development. Because we're a manufacturing company, we're a product leadership company, I want to be launching new products all the time. And our product mix has changed dramatically over the years. And when we used to just only focus on tools, manual tools that screw on the end of a hose, we could launch a lot more of those. And now we're building robotic computerized systems and it's so much more complex and requires so many more resources that it's a much slower process. And so I had to reset my own expectations about what is a reasonable time to launch a new product and how many products is it reasonable to launch in a given year due to the complexity. And we've taken it down to two products per year. If we're launching two new products per year, we're still staying really innovative. We're going to ensure that we're going to launch those products well, not confuse the marketplace, all of these different things. But we used to, I mean, I think one time we'd like launch like 10 products in a year. 
And that was chaos. And we vowed to never do it again. (laughs) But we had to really reset those expectations. And that's a really, really powerful way to look at it. How has your business changed? And you can't just shove the new way of doing things into the old way of doing things without really gut checking your expectations to see if they're realistic or not. Next, seek feedback. You know, I am a huge believer in feedback. And you can be more patient when you know what people think of you and your patience. I once had a really close colleague of mine tell me, you're racing, but we're pacing. And I loved this quote, right? You're racing, but we're pacing. And that was such a mirror to hold up to me. And he was right. I was racing around, trying to get things done, trying to push them and push them. But they were methodically executing to the plan, pacing through it. And I really appreciated that feedback. This was before I came to Stone Age that I got this piece of feedback because I was being impatient. And um, that was really powerful for me, especially coming from a peer who could reflect my behavior back to me. So if you are wondering how your impatience shows up for people, ask them, ask for feedback, ask them to hold you accountable for you slowing down and taking time to be able to breathe and set those clear expectations. This next tip, this is an interesting one. And it might sound a little bit old school, but it's delayed gratification. We live in a time where we have instant gratification, where we just think that things should happen like this. And the reality is that if we delay gratification, if we delay the decision, if we delay feeling frustrated, if we delay a temptation, it teaches us that we can truly be patient. We can wait for something. I just did this with buying a car. I drive a Jeep Grand Cherokee as my my main car, my SUV. And I was like, I really want a new car. And I started kind of poking around it a little bit. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to delay gratification. I'm just going to not think about this for a, a month. And then if I really want to explore getting a new car, then I can do that later. So I Gave myself that month and you know what? (laughs) I haven't thought about it until I was preparing for this podcast and thought about delayed gratification, right? If I was impatient and just said, nope, I want to go get a new car. I'm going to start shopping. Then I probably would have done it. And that really isn't the best use of money, right? Buying new cars. My Jeep is perfectly fine. It's amazing. And I love it. I don't even know why I would want a different Jeep. So delaying that gratification really helped me practice more patience. And it made me realize that the things that I was feeling impatient about, it wasn't real. So anytime that you can delay gratification, you are practicing patience. And then finally, I love this tip. And I got it from a book that I was reading about how to connect more into yourself, how to be more mindful and appreciative of all the things that are going around you. And that is express gratitude, but not just express gratitude for the things that are going well, but to express gratitude for the things that aren't going well. So every time something bad happens or isn't going the way that I want it to go or I'm feeling impatient, I say, I'm really grateful for this mistake. I'm really grateful for this delay. I know that something better is going to come from it. And even if it doesn't, I instantly feel better because gratitude does. It puts you into a higher coherent uh, brainwave space. It makes you feel better when you express gratitude. Literally, anything that you do not like in your life, anything that's going around, anything that makes you feel frustrated, especially being impatient, since that's what we're talking about today, give gratitude for it. Give gratitude. I'm really thankful for this delay. I'm grateful for it. 
I'm grateful that this isn't moving as fast as I want. I am grateful that I feel frustrated that I want a new car, but I'm not going to buy one. And just see if you do it consistently, it's amazing what it does to your mindset and it will help you be more patient. All right. So that is going to wrap up my talk on patience. Hopefully you can consider it as a tool or a skill, something to really be honed because it's really easy to just get swept up as a leader in this idea that we have immediacy, that things have to happen right now. But remember, greatness often comes to those who are willing to wait. When you embrace patience, not just as a leader, but as a learner, learn from the delays, learn from the frustration, the agitation, the angst, find gratitude in those situations and hone that patience skill. You will be so much easier to work for and you will actually probably drive more results because when people aren't feeling scared of not moving fast enough, they can get into the flow and they actually wind up performing better. And most importantly, you will feel better as a human being. Being impatient and the feelings that come along with it can diminish the quality of your life. Okay, so on to my question of the week. My question of the week comes from a YPO, or YPO is Young Presidents Organization. It is a peer network organization made up of CEOs and presidents. And I was just in Berlin, Germany, at a YPO leadership meeting, and I was talking to one of my fellow peers who read my book. He said that the section that really resonated with him was the section on transparency. And I shared a story about making a really big decision that I left a lot of our employees in the dark about, and it caused a lot of issues because I wasn't fully transparent. And he said, how do you know what's the right amount of information to share? Like, how transparent are you, especially when you're making a big decision or a difficult decision? How do you do that? And I really appreciated this question from him because it is. It's hard to know how much information do I share. Like on one hand, you don't want to overwhelm people because you share too much information about a big decision, but you also don't want people to feel like they're being kept in the dark or that you're telling them something that you think that they want to hear or get incomplete information that they can then make up a story about themselves. So it's really striking the balance between what about being candid and holding back what doesn't necessarily need to be told or can't be told because of the confidentiality of it or something like that. So what I typically do is I write out, like, here's what I'm going to say, right? I want to be precise in my language. I want to share the why. I put myself in my employee's shoes. How would they feel about this? How would they interpret this? And I make sure to try to address all these things. What questions will they ask? Like, how do I answer that? And then I make a list of the things that I can't talk about, right? That's confidential or that would be overwhelming or that would just, I don't know, muddy the communication because it's not important. When you write it out, that really does help you make sure that you are being as transparent as you can without sharing too much or sharing the parts of it that aren't confidential. And then I always go in and I say, hey, here's the situation. Here's the decision we're going to make. Here's why we made the decision. Here's the process that we went through to make the decision. And here's what it means for you. There are some certain things that I can't share with you because they are confidential or they are sensitive. Please know that we took all of those into consideration when we made these decisions. 
And please respect that there are certain things that I cannot share with you. And I think most people understand that. Most people just want honesty. And they understand that leaders have to deal with confidentiality and sensitive issues that they can't share with everybody. But at least if they feel like, okay, I understand what the decision is, why we're making it, and how it impacts me, I'm okay with letting the rest of that stuff go. So that's how I handle those types of conversations where it's a really big decision, a tough decision that has some level of sensitivity or confidentiality that you can't share. But I always go into it thinking, I want to build trust. I want to be transparent. I want to give people an opportunity to ask questions. But I also want to make sure that I protect the privacy or the confidentiality of the other parties that are involved. And he really appreciated that. He liked writing it out and then just being honest, like, There are certain things that I can't share. Just say it. It's the elephant in the room. Just say it. It doesn't mean that you're giving away confidential information when you say there's confidential information that I can't share. All right. That is it for this episode of Reflect Forward, advice from a CEO. I hope you enjoyed it and got all kinds of great tips. And if you like this podcast, please write a review, share it with a friend, subscribe to it. I always appreciate it. It helps with the algorithms. And in the next advice from a CEO, I'll talk a little bit about how my book launch went. The tour through Colorado just happened last week and it was amazing. And I will share details with you as I have a little bit more time to reflect on the insane effort that it took to launch this book. If you haven't purchased it and are interested in it, please do so. It's getting great feedback from everybody who's reading it. It's called The Ownership Mindset. You can find it on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Just search Carrie Siggins, The Ownership Mindset, and you'll find it. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week.